Hello and welcome to our monthly podcast series, In Conversation With. Hello and welcome to the Global Cosmetics News Podcast. Today we'll be talking about the transition from polarised to gender fluid beauty. And first, it's my pleasure to introduce our panellists. We've got Rebecca Goswell, Global Creative Director at Asquan. We've got Jessica Blackler of Jekka Makeup. And we've got Jamie Mills, Senior Analyst at Global Data. Welcome, everybody. So gender neutral or gender fluid, it's a term that's gained a lot of traction over the last 18 months. And uh, in beauty terms, the space used to be quite niche. Um, Basically, there was CK1 and that was it. And it's now jumped out the box and crossed into the mainstream um, and spans all sectors too. So we also have gender fluid makeup, gender neutral makeup, skincare, etc. So let's start there. Let's start with makeup. Um, Jessica, do you want to talk us through a little bit um, about how the trend's developing Yeah, sure. So for me personally, I don't tend to use the word trend just because I feel like um, males used makeup before women. Um, If we were to look into history, it's not, it's actually been happening the whole time. But for me, I feel like there's a huge, there's a stronger message behind it, which is actually, it's really good to be inclusive of everyone and for all makeup wearers. So yeah, that's, that's what it means for me, just to be inclusive. There are sort of various different ways that, um, I'm sorry, I'm going to use the word trend, (laughs) the trend is developing. So either brands aren't picking a box, if you see what I mean. So we've got ASOS, for example, or indeed your makeup brand, bringing out an entirely gender neutral line. So every product is for everybody. Or we've got um, traditionally female brands, say CoverGirl, for example, coming into the space by sort of rebranding their existing products as for everybody and taking on male models um, as spokespeople. Or we've got brands that are bringing out dedicated men's lines such as Chanel, Tom Ford, etc. Which strategy do we think is the way that it's going to develop? Which ones do we think are going to succeed? Do you want to talk us a little bit through that, Jamie? Yeah, so I think at the moment, it just really depends on geography. So I think it's also dependent on whether consumers are actually ready for that type of um, sort of move towards using cosmetics. Traditionally in the West, for example, we've got a lot of consumers who are, you know, there's still a very big stigma around using makeup among men. And I think that's a challenge which, you know, is starting to become uh, overcome, especially by larger brands like you've got L'Oreal using men in their marketing, um, as you've mentioned, and also cover girl but I think what's really important for these brands is that they want to put this message out of inclusivity but aren't ready to commit to a fully um, sort of male targeted brand because that could potentially isolate you know their female market or audience which is at the moment still very much you know their core but then you actually look at places like South Korea where you've got you know, that sort of sentiment towards using um, makeup is much more established. And I think consumers, they're much more discerning. The men are much more discerning in the products they're going to use. So actually, they're probably more ready for having a dedicated men's specific makeup. And, you know, especially from a premium brand like Chanel, um, that really sort of flags that, you know, the market is kind of ripe for that type of um, investment, I suppose. And Chanel, I mean, they are planning to roll it out internationally, whether the sales on the Western side sort of make it worthwhile for them from a marketing perspective. What do we think? Do you think that men are ready to wear makeup? Um, I think certain men are. I think I think the thing is that the male market has been a sector that everybody has known that is, is going to be 
it's imminently ready to blow up at some point, and it has been for the last decade, but it's only now where we've got the sort of empowerment of Instagram where you can be far more uh, visual and playful and and free to to express yourself that actually I think people then are looking. I think the problem is with the big companies like the L'Oreal's and the... Although they're looking, they're trying to fit in how that can work in their product development because they are obviously a huge global company. And I think you'll see the growth in the niche in the niche companies, niche companies can be far more creative and far more able to sort of do small launches to, to fit their small, the sort of niche, sort of the market. I think it, it, it's makeup still got a bit of a stigma with regard to sort of the general public as opposed to sort of very niche, very niche uh, sort of people that want to express themselves creatively through makeup, men or, or, or any gender who want to be able to to express themselves i think if we're talking about the main market which is where these the larger companies need to that's their their territory i think it's going to take some time but i think they're doing that through skincare through hybrid products ccbb creams all of those things where men can can tentatively explore and have confidence um to be at their best but not necessarily sort of go all out and, and make a huge huge statement in terms of how product is developing as well, the actual physical product, it's becoming, I think in the past, I think a lot of products were very linear and, and they were sort of specific specific uses for specific areas of, of, of face and body. I think now those those boundaries are being broken down and things are far more artistic, products are far more artistic. So therefore there's much more freedom to play and explore and and enjoy and, and just express. So yeah. on the one sense, we're saying that, say, the L'Oreal's, the cover girls of this world, um, who've gone with the same product that they had before, but opening it up, opening their market up with male spokesmodels, they're sort of hedging their bets, whereas Chanel's perhaps taking a bigger risk in the short term for the long term game. I mean, do you want to talk to us, Jessica, a little bit about Jacka? What What's yeah. the breakdown of your customers? How what percentage so, are male? Yeah, before like touching on that though. So when it comes to just the male market wanting to wear makeup, I actually found out the other day that more men use sunbeds now than women. So I think in general, men are becoming a lot more um, aware of their appearance, and especially the younger generation. Like they really care about their hair, their like their tan, um, through even like television, social media, makeup for like males just for covering acne um, and scars is becoming a lot more open and um, people are starting to talk about, yeah, I wear foundation on the camera and these are huge celebrities and they don't mind opening up about that. So I actually think that that like market is, is definitely ready for the likes of Chanel, Tom Ford that are just marketing for men, um, not necessarily gender fluid, but for men. So yeah, so we actually work with L'Oreal Jacket Makeup. So they've taken us on as like L'Oreal Innovation. And they're obviously a huge kind of player in the game. And I think large brands are adapting in other ways. Like L'Oreal, obviously, they do work and acquire a lot of brands underneath them. And that's how they work in these niche markets because um, they can't always adapt themselves. So I think... Yeah, obviously the larger brands are working with them, but the niche brands like Jack and Makeup um, have like a purpose. So we actually don't just target men or women. We actually kind of work with the in-between as well. Um, I started by offering makeup lessons to transgender women and a lot of my clients felt just very overlooked by the beauty industry because, you know, you walk into a department store and it is 
beautiful women or beautiful men and like you know there isn't any advertisements towards transgender women and there's no um there's no advertisements either towards people that have no gender like non-binary and everything else so that's how we that's the space that we work in and so yeah that's how we're non-binary and what what's the profile of your typical customer are they female are they transgender are they men so we actually have men that are transitioning into female um lots of my clients and customers aren't like fully transitioning so they're playing with the idea of makeup and we support that a lot um because it's not always you know male or transitioning into female there's like an in-between where people are just doing it maybe on the side and just experimenting with it obviously it's a huge change of lifestyle so um we support that as well so actually it's a mix of men that are transitioning completely or just people that are kind of playing on the side and lots of my clients were doing it behind you know their family and friends and they they were doing it in their kind of own time and doing it as a very part-time thing and then when I opened up Jekka's studio to offer makeup lessons for this audience a lot of them came from all over the UK because they felt like how amazing that someone's actually recognizing us not just male or female basically. And see, yeah. So your brand is truly gender fluid, and yeah. you don't want to put a, a label label on it. No, it's and it's really important not to. Um, so we do that with our products. So all the products that have launched and we're working on are like products from um, a focus group of people that were were my clients, and we also do that through campaigns and um, social media and um, the, the topics that we discuss on um, other platforms. How big is your market in the UK? So they say that there's half a million transgender people in the UK. However, so my clients, they'd go from like kind of pub owners to boxers to, you know, there's a huge, huge like variety of people and it was very diverse, my um, clientele. So they would never um, say that they were transgender women openly, obviously. Um, this is something that was very private to them. So... When it comes to like statistics and actually putting a number on it, it's very difficult because there is still that huge stigma basically and people can't be open about it. So they say half a million, but it's going to be a lot higher because um, it, but it's, there's just no, there's no uh, figure on it. And if we were assuming that men wearing makeup became more generally acceptable, are we saying, are you sort of projecting that a lot more I don't want to say come out of the closet a lot more people would would be open about their, their well, feelings I, yeah well I started the makeup lessons in 2015 and even like family and friends that I told they were all like kind of obviously accepting of it but people just didn't know about this they didn't they weren't as educated as they are today like even in a few years and I think you know pride and like other kind of similar brands in other industries so like fashion um skincare you know they're also doing the movement so I think it's a lot more accepting already in like a few years so it will only go that way and Jamie do you want to talk to us a little bit about the motivations behind this what is the sort of wider trends that are driving male makeup use and also general acceptance of of different differences between us and you know diversity I think it's it's very much to do with our sort of younger consumers. They're really 
born millennials, Gen Z, they really want individualistic products. They want they don't want products which are necessarily um, for men, for women, because they're really breaking away from that kind of traditional pigeonholing which we've we've seen in the past. Um, they're really looking to express themselves. They want to break away from the mass, and they're not afraid to actually do that, um, both in terms of what they buy, their appearance, um, and that's kind of helping to drive this move towards male makeup. Um, we're also seeing, obviously, Instagram and, you know, social media has been a huge driver of this. Um, not only has it made it sort of the need for makeup or men wearing makeup more apparent because people want to look their best, they, you know, our research shows that 45% of millennials are taking a selfie once a week and at least once a week and posting it online so you know that that desire to look good on and offline is growing but also as well social media has really made it much more accessible for men because you're actually seeing you know these influencers who are online like for example is it Man, I think Manny Gutierrez is an influencer who is doing makeup tutorials and they're actually showing men how they can use makeup for themselves it's not just for women and how they can apply it and how it can actually make them look better so I think that's been a big eye-opener for um, a lot of men that it's okay to use makeup I know I can understand how to use it and also um, you know it's it's very much an online community that's very accepting of that so I think those are kind of the two main drivers of of the trend moving forward and I think as well because millennials and to some extent Gen Z have really had to challenge kind of those sort of traditions of um, sort of what's male what's female you know being manly being feminine um, but as we move forward and as generations move forward we're going to see that actually younger people are going to not have to challenge that. So it's going to be an expectation that, you know, if I want to wear something, then I will. Or if I want to use makeup, I will. So I think in future, long term, this is going to be a really important trend that brands need to take note of. At the moment, I think it's fair to say, particularly in the West, that male makeup as a, a general thing is very fledgling, extremely niche. Are we, in terms of product, are we just talking maybe look a little bit better you know when, when they're not wearing glitter eyeliner are they Rebecca well I think some people some people would love to <laughs> and I think some people do I think if we're talking sort of mass mass and, and sort of breaking that boundary of mass and there has to be this sort of hybrid this use of color and texture as well as benefit and then then the sort of stigma of going oh I'm going to put you know CC cream or I'm going to have some illuminator it sort of goes away a little bit if you're talking mass if you're talking sort of I don't know, much more niche than it. I absolutely love some of the male make, makeup artists that are on Instagram because I think they teach women quite a lot of lessons about how to express yourself really creatively through. I think women tend to put makeup on just to sort of feel okay just to go out the door or, or whatever. But I think men are far more, the men that are confident about expressing themselves just do it in such a, a beautifully creative way, free and expressive, that um, I think that they then sort of grow the market for women in that respect that the product categories that, that they go for are, are sort of they're beautiful I think um in terms of sort of color spectrums and and actual formulations and products and textures they're sort of driving us in a way to sort of say you know we need to have products with amazing payoff we want to have the most brilliant metallics that are almost like liquid we want to have sort of coverage that goes from from oil to oil to powder or, or from powder to cream that helps us create these amazing amazing looks and that then could fil can filter down to 
everyday life where you just want to like you know like we were discussing it's just like you know you just want to look on the selfie or anything i think in the east the sort of boy beauty and is far more acceptable to be perfect to have this sort of yeah, hd sort of ready look is is far more acceptable uh, but is is being drawn into the west a lot more the extremely artistic representation of how one wants to express oneself is extremely it's so it's so expansive and free it's brilliant and i think that in a way sort of gives gives the whole industry a lift and we're we're all looking at sort of oh my goodness you know what what can we what can we do to support the, the sort of artistic freedom that these wearers want so we're you know we we're break trying to break down boundaries from from a supplier point of view we're trying to break down traditional sort of boundaries of why does that just have to be a lipstick can't it be an eyeshadow can't a gloss go on an eye or or can't a a lipstick go anywhere you want you know why can't I draw on my face why can't I have a marker you know and and being inspired from art as in traditional art like the artist brushes sort of different textures just from an artist and texture point of view um say okay so we don't that's powder but it can be anything it can be a lip powder it can be an ipad whatever you know so just breaking down boundaries not just sort of socially from gender but also right the way core 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 right the way back to formulation and say okay why does that have to be you know why does it have to be what it always has been let's let's so that's my my take on it is it really it's really exciting and if we can support the people that are really leading edge in terms of their their self-expression then it, it helps the whole industry so it's win-win on all fronts really because we've got 50 percent more of the market but also 50 percent more creativity feeding in in terms of product formulation what do we need to do in order to encourage and i'm talking all men here not not the niche market that's already into makeup but but you know joe blogs on the street they're not going to walk into a department store and said oh great i'm going to buy go to right shadow so what can we do to make it a more inclusive industry. We've, we've started, but is there more to be done? Um, Jamie, do you want to... I think there's a really big barrier in terms of where sort of products are actually available. Um, I think at the moment it's still very limited um, to what what you can actually sort of buy in store. Um, our research actually shows that men still prefer to actually buy their grooming products in store. But in terms of actually purchasing cosmetics there's two issues because you know I think they're quite difficult to come by um you know where men feel comfortable to go into say boots for example and say I'm going to pick up a concealer as well as you know my body wash um but also online offers you know you've got this um online uh, aspect where you know there is a lot more variety there's a lot more choice that people can actually you know a man can go online and actually see that there's sort of tutorials for example on how to use the product what's best for their skin they can get more advice um so i think there's still a lot of barriers in terms of actually getting men out of say be just being online and to sort of purchasing and being more engaged in store um, and i think that's going to take some time but potentially there's opportunities to partner say with fashion retailers kind of ensure that your products are actually or sort of male cosmetics are um sort of in this sort of space where say their target audience would be um, kind of just to kind of highlight that, you know, 
we understand that this could potentially help enhance your appearance as well as obviously the clothes that you can buy here. So that's potentially one such strategy. But I think that in itself is going to take some time. I know MMUK actually launched their own bricks and mortar store recently. That was also just one step of kind of normalising men going out to go buy cosmetics like women would as well. Um, So I think there are signs that it's going to happen, but I think it's definitely going to take some time. And I think for the moment, brands which are seeking to target men through makeup are probably going to have more successes online in the short term as opposed to in-store. I mean, really, if traditional bricks and mortar retail wants to win at this, and I'm talking particularly department stores here or um, drug stores, um, Boots, for example, they need to rethink their entire shop floor, don't they? It's happening at grassroots level. If you look at, for example, John Lewis in their children's department, they've removed gender delineation there. So all clothes are marketed as either boy or girl, or you know, if you don't want to choose a gender for your child at all, um, you don't need to pick a side. Uh, are we saying that beauty halls need to do this? You need to not have a men's aisle anymore. It needs to be this space is for everybody and that the imagery reflects that. What what do you think? No, definitely. And I think some retailers are doing that. So Sephora are doing that a lot. Um, they have just opened a part of their store uh, somewhere in America um, where they are offering makeup lessons for transgender women and they are advertising for that market with visuals and online courses and everything. So, yeah, I think that they're moving forward because they target the um, younger generation a lot, Sephora. But with your department stores, it's still very women-focused. So, yeah, there's a lot of changes that need to be made, whether that's just getting people working behind those counters that are, like, you know, males or um, have been trained to do male makeup uh, and transgender kind of makeup. It's very different as well. So... Yeah, for sure. I think it's the people, but also a lot of the visuals. And I don't really think there is a male department. Like, there's not really male, female sections of a beauty store normally, but it's. I think it's a lot to do with the people that are behind those counters and how they invite people to their part of the store. Um, and if they're open with that personally, it's, yeah. So, I mean, for example, there's a men's skincare aisle. If we were opening up, a store to all, then would we no longer classify that as male? I mean, when I was starting the industry, which <clears throat> too long ago, um, and men's skincare was extremely small and just burgeoning category, the press releases that came into our office all focused on how men's skin is different to women's. Are we saying that actually the products don't need to be different and that they're not don't need to be formulated differently and they are for everyone. Are we going to change the marketing story if we change who we're targeting? What do you think from a formulating point of view? Well, I mean, I'm not an expert formulator. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd argue that obviously if you're shaving your face every day, then you do need to have a lot of moisture going back into your skin and you've got to have, but you know, you still, we still have the same issues like pollution, uh, dryness, uh, air conditioning, all of those things that are, that are very prevalent that everybody has, whether you're male or female. I don't see why. I mean, I come I, my my sort of from my perfume background because I'm a niche perfumery is is unisex. It just is. It always was before people marketing people went. Oh, let's divide up. Let's divide up and do male and female. It never used to be like that. You know, in the centuries gone by, it was all just perfume. So, I mean, 
tentatively, I'd say that, you know, originally probably it was very much, you know, how do we market this for men? So it's macho and let's have somebody with a with a surfboard, like, you know, bracing water and that sort of stuff. I think now the, the opportunity is to say, you know, this this is skincare. This does this for you. This does this for you. It's all about the performance of the product rather than actually, oh, you've got to be a guy to use that. Because, I mean, it's discriminative. Really. You know, it's, it should be just let's make product that is effective for, for both. I don't see why there is a particular delineation between one or the other as such. I don't see why beauty should be the same either. I think the point is about the bricks and mortar thing is that, that if we want to keep our department stores, which are all suffering, we've got to make a, a, a massive push to be far more creative in the way we engage people. I mean, the, the, looking back a couple of years ago to when Selfishes did the create your own perfume and it was absolutely stunning. It was brilliant. And all of those sort of, you know, you need to make these centres a destination where you learn and you're fun and you, you don't feel intimidated. And you know, as a woman of a certain age, I can relate to the fact that you walk in and you feel a little bit intimidated and, and to break those social boundaries down and welcome people in and teach and excite and inspire, you know, of whatever gender. It's absolutely key to saving in-store bricks and mortar and and yeah i mean let's talk about who we think's doing it well i mean mac for example they've got quite their sales assistants are quite representative as well should we have a little word who, who do we think's doing it well on the retail side i think all brands are just you know ultimately challenged because they want to attract their core audience which is women at the moment and um in to be honest in my opinion i don't necessarily see that there's many, say, men uh, currently in store which are proffering products to uh, kind of engage those players or engage that audience. Um, so I think ultimately all brands really probably need to um, kind of work at this because at the moment they're very much si- working in silos for either specific age groups of women or, you know, or women just in general. I agree. And also when you say Mac, for example, they have all their employees representing the brand. The men that work there are very, you know, full-on makeup, eyelashes, the whole the whole works. So your Joe Blogs isn't going to be able to go there and feel like he's being included because there's someone that's the same gender but also very different looking to him. So I still think they can have more um, representatives of their customers, which, of course, is at the moment just women. But if they move further on to gender neutral, then I think they should have more of like an employees representing their target audience. So are we saying really that they, we need to go back to marketing? And it's while it's fantastic that we've got male spokesmodels coming in for major brands, they are still quite in the confident makeup users category, let's put it that way. And in order to attract the more traditionally macho men out there, we might need to rethink the uh, front of the campaign and mm-hmm. to have some yeah, more. Definitely, I don't know. Let's let's just put it out there. Idris Elba in any campaign is fine by us. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I was going to say a, a company that do do the customer experience very well. It's not necessarily sort of a, a gender issue, but it is just a sort of confidence issue. I think Charlotte Tilbury do tackle the idea of people that aren't necessarily too confident in how they wear their makeup they, they make the environment very welcoming it's very um sumptuous but they also the in-store help is either the marketing 
talk and the in-store assistance that you get from the, the, the staff in Charlotte Tilbury, the whole experience is a whole experience. It's a, it's a customer journey when you go into a store, into one of one of her stores. I think she does really, really well. I think it's been well thought out. It's 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 accommodating people that aren't necessarily confident in in what in their selection and they they just want to look good. And I think if you applied that and turned it into a more of a a, a more of a masculine feel or more of a sort of a neutral feel, not necessarily just targeting just at, at women. I, I think that approach, the sort of the friendly, open, um, encouraging approach, is at point of sale. Uh, is 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 really powerful. It's it's great. If we're talking numbers, I mean, are we saying that at the moment the sort of marketing and the product development is ahead of the market, or are we saying that that is spurred on by the growth? What, without sort of drilling down to specific numbers, what growth are we talking here? Are we saying that it's actually already significant or we're looking for it to be significant? I think it's definitely still very niche at the moment. It's a very hot topic at the moment because we've had a lot of, you know, even just at a sort of very top level, um, you know, equality has been very hot in the news. We've very much talking about, you know, being inclusive as like a society. So it is really hot because we are talking about how brands are sort of trying to kind of, you know, engage consumers through that type of um, marketing and engagement. Um, but in terms of actual significant numbers, there's still a lot of room for this to grow in terms of, you know, future potential, because at the moment, as we have discussed, is there's still a very niche group of consumers who are receptive to cosmetics. And I think it's moving the dialogue away from talking about cosmetics as or makeup as thinking, okay, well, you have to wear eyeshadow, it's very, you know, glittery, for example, or that's very expressive, which, of course, has a place. And of course, people are very engaged with, but in terms of engaging the mass it's very much about saying this can be part of your grooming ritual it can be part of you know how you um, make yourself look better feel better you know no makeup no makeup for example is definitely uh, positioning which I think will in the short term and to kind of engage mass consumers is going to be the way forward for men's cosmetics. And what age group are we talking in terms of demographic if we think of early adopters are we saying that the 18 to 25 year olds are already prepared to wear a little bit of makeup I'm not talking extremely confident makeup users I'm talking Joe blogs on the street or and perhaps the the I don't know to put a number on it 35 and up wouldn't generally wear any makeup at all or are we saying that every, we need to work on everybody who is your audience what what age are they so my clients all 35 plus I don't have anyone younger um so but that was very different um, you know, they're they're wanting to kind of completely change themselves. They're not wearing makeup to be male. They're wearing makeup to be female. But I would say, yeah, definitely the younger generation are the ones that are going to be the early adapters to just wearing a bit of concealer. And I think they already are. I mean, um, a lot of my guy friends wear concealer. Like, it's just something that they do. Um, and I think people in, you know, that generation are open to it. So no one even bats an eyelid kind of thing. So... But there's always going to be a percentage of Joe blogs on the street that are never going to wear makeup, and that's absolutely fine, because there are always going to be a percentage of women that don't wear makeup, so you can't push everyone to do something. So I think the, I think it's for the youngsters, and then slowly I think it will creep on to the next kind of generation. I think receptiveness to male grooming in general is growing 
as mm. you go down the age range. If you look at my husband, you know, 40s, you know, a spritz of fragrance, some shower gel and maybe some eye cream because he's worried about, you know, having wrinkles. If you look at my brother, who is a good 10 years younger and counting, um, he'll use fake tan and straighten his hair with hair straighteners. And then perhaps you go five years younger than that and the concealer could be an everyday um, use for real friends. Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't yeah, have yeah. any 20-year-old friends, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're opening up the market so that to those who are the same category of women who wear makeup could equivalent where be men, if you sort of mean, and that would give us more consumers overall. What would we like to happen? What's the ideal for the industry, do you think? What, what are we targeting here? Are we targeting daily use of concealer and mascara, for example, for everybody? Well, there's two different things. There are the niche companies... The creativity and formulation creativity and the way people apply it and wear it is is brilliant and that, that should never because it should it should never be dis- discouraged. That is their way forward for the, the niche, the small niche companies to really make a statement and to to carry on being super creative. It's something that the, the larger companies just can't move fast enough and the, and the, the, the sort of the monetary value of of that specific niche sort of element is is hard for them to. Um, to, to analyse and put into place, I think for for them, the idea of like anti aging tinted moisturisers or CC or BB or something that adds a slight benefit, but it's like a small stepping stone where they can they can create the volume, they can roll it out globally, um, and in the sort of the sort of mid thirties to mid forties, men are wearing tinted moisturiser, they are making the effort, but they're there, the focus for them is anti age because they 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 don't want to get old. Mm-hmm. As, as none of us do, that is a sort of stepping stone into into colour cosmetics for men, for, for the mass market for men, um, I think, probably. And then, you know, gradually, gradually, small steps, tinted you know, mascaras and concealers. Um, it's the way, That's the way forward because then the volume is there to really start making a massive cultural shift as opposed to trying, you know, the, the larger you are, more powerful the movement so I also think it's a lot around education of the products and how to use the products so if you think about it women tend to grow up with sisters or watching their mom put makeup on whereas men don't have that so um I think with the younger generation you know if a friend of mine had a spot and didn't know how to conceal it properly I would just be open to show him and so would have a lot of the younger generation whereas if you're going into kind of your mid-40s, like, would, would you take that plunge? Like, probably not. Even if you might want to, it's that whole thing of who would you go to? How do you even start? You know, they don't even know about makeup tutorials half of them, so, like, they don't know about the platform of education online. So I think if brands were to educate more for that target audience, then they'll slowly adapt to it as well. Because if you've got a blemish, then most people would want to cover it naturally. They don't, you know, they don't want to... Um, they want to look good. So I think if you had the educational side of it, that would make a huge difference. And so in some, we're all looking to be our best selves. And, yeah, and the motivation from, from a selfie and a generation where we now take all our photos with a filter and we want to look like that in real life, that that is creating the market for this, essentially. Mm. Um, I think looking ahead, we're probably going to see, so just going back to uh, what everyone said about kind of younger consumers being more receptive, but older consumers, that's kind of kind of trickled down. I think we're going to probably see 
in future a lot of sort of established male grooming brands kind of starting to extend their product portfolios to kind of again just ensure that their customers can kind of dip their toe into kind of concealers for example and you know I think that's going to be what makes quite a big change is that actually if say Clinique for Men starts bringing out their own sort of tinted moisturizers or like BB creams or you know concealers or even highlighters for example it's like they've already got their core audience who is you know sort of older men and they're kind of looking for products which are you know going to make them look better for example and they they trust that brand it's the same with brands for example like bulldog skincare for example if they brought out say sort of similar products you know they've already got their audience got a captive audience and they trust that brand so you know it's not such a big leap um i think the younger generation can be more demanding. They're going to be looking for niche players which have a story. They want something that, you know, is really value-driven, um, but also kind of is very much about breaking down those barriers that, you know, may still resonate well with sort of the older generation. So I think it's there's definitely a market for both. It's just how it's positioned. Um, I think the strategies are definitely going to have to be different. And do you think that there is scope for change on a mass scale? I mean, I remember being very idealistic um, young woman who thought that, you know, equalities and genders would happen by the time that I was grown up and I ain't seeing any improvement in the pay gap yet. So um, are we are we saying that in a decade's time, for example, that Gen Z will um, have broken down those traditional concepts of masculine and femininity and be more gender fluid or do we think that there'll always be a bastion of core masculinity core femininity and a a niche group in the middle who is prepared to break down those barriers what do we think how what time scale are we saying like in, in a decade will we see real change in this or do we think we'll still be saying it's niche in a decade's time so i think the younger generation i think they're almost there um, whereas the older generation, I'm not, I'm not sure. Probably, I don't want to put a number on it because I think there's still so much work to do with other topics like equality, like pay gap and everything. So once that's cleared out the way, I don't want to put a number on that. I think it will try to trickle down. I think there'll always be a niche, and there should always be a niche because I think that drives up the art, and it, and then I think there'll always be a mainstream because I think that just in terms of sort of there are a lot of people outside of, of, of city people and uh, that sounds really sort of i hate don't want to sort of put put sort of uh archetypes on people but people that live within a sort of metro type environment tend to be able to pick up trends it's all around them they live in a city because they love the sort of fluidity of ideas and and, and sharing and um and so and and then a lot of people don't so you always have a certain set of people that are very happy just to sort of do enough to make themselves feel good and that's that's enough where you'll get another a certain sector of people that are always pushing always driving always wanting to transform and explore and be curious i think yes in 10 years i mean i think in 10 i think in 5 years already we've had a massive amount of really positive change it's it's so refreshing after having quite a sort of stagnant period of about 10 years before that where and I think it's just absolutely due to social media, to Instagram, to the sort of freedom of of, of people being able to put put their own personalities out there and and be proud of who they are um, without any sort of stigma attached. It's brilliant. So I think in ten years there'll be a, a, a huge amount of change and shift. And culturally, uh, I can't wait. I think it's it's brilliant. It's a it's a very exciting time to to live. 
in terms of makeup, I think it's going to be slower. But I think you'll get extremes. You'll get super creative people, which is it's so lovely to see when you open up Instagram. So many people sharing ideas that you wouldn't necessarily see without that platform. So you know, long long may it develop and and, and accelerate. It's brilliant. And what do you think, Jamie? How long till mainstream for male makeup? I think it really is going to depend on sort of um obviously you don't want to put a number on it either but i think very much it depends where you are i think in terms of geography i think say the west is probably moving a lot faster than say other regions in the world um and i think that is going to have a really big impact on how brands sort of start to reposition their products they're going to have to start thinking about it now in order to kind of future proof their products for the future um but i think as well there's always going to be that need for those traditional sort of for men for women products because I think for a lot of people they still find that an easy way to say okay this is for me so I you know I'm going to sort of choose that but I think definitely in future in markets such as the UK where it's kind of starting to you know move faster consumers are becoming much more educated about what products they need and they don't necessarily need their brands to really tell them that you know it's based upon their gender for them to know it's right for them sure i mean in a way social media is a city isn't it because that's creating a city everywhere because just as you said that you you'd be surrounded by something when you're on your phone you are surrounded by that no matter what your actual physical location so i think it's it's likely but um i think there'll always be a sort of slowness as we wait for the latest generation to grow up um, and and to become the the sort of core consumer for this. Super. So that all remains is to thank everybody for taking part today. Thank you, Jessica and Rebecca and Jamie. And thank you to our audience for listening. Until next time. Mm